Fairbanks is shaping up to be the center of Alaska's marijuana industry. Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 64, September 3rd, 2017. Your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today's show, drug-free Fairbanks. No, no, no. Safe neighborhoods. No, no, no. Uh, Reefer Madness. No, drug-free Fairbanks. No, safe neighborhoods. Reefer Madness. Safe neighborhoods, drug-free Fairbanks. Reefer Madness. I don't know. We're going to let these guys explain to you. Jim Oslin, Vivian Stiver, Lance Roberts. Different sections of the population. We have city, borough, and then we have citizen, borough. Getting things done. We're going to look at the history behind what's going on here. This goes all the way back to 2016, March of 2016. Jim Oslin is going up against Frosty Farms. Doesn't even exist anymore. Didn't get anything going. But they lost their bid. He gets angry. Takes it to the borough. Borough doesn't like it. He starts getting initiative going. Drug-free Fairbanks, it's called. They get a meeting going in June. A lot of people attend. Get enough signatures. Get it on the ballot. Now here we are a year later. They've rebranded themselves as Safe Neighborhoods. Now... A lot of what I've talked about is not using government as a weapon. That's exactly what's happening here. They feel like they have no choice. We're using a voter initiative process because that's the only way we can accomplish this, getting rid of marijuana businesses. They have no choice other than to go to government, pass an initiative to affect all businesses. Not the specific ones that are causing the problems. And is even a problem. They're following rules. There's there's ways to get around. I hate to say move, but general use. I'll say this again, over and over again. Liberty is such a beautiful thing. It is so easy to want, so hard to give. Now, remember, we're not voting again on ballot measure two, the thing that legalized and regulates cannabis in Alaska. This vote on October 3rd, Proposition 1A, it's a voter initiative. They gathered enough signatures last year in its attempt to prohibit cannabis business in the borough and city. This was part of ballot measure 2 in order to calm people down. You know, okay, even if it passes, you can still opt out later, local control. Section 1738210, local control. A local government may prohibit the operation of marijuana cultivation facilities marijuana product manufacturing facilities, marijuana testing facilities, or retail marijuana stores through the enactment of an ordinance or by voter initiative. Kenai is dealing with an ordinance. Fairbanks is voter initiative. North Pole and Delta already lost it. Voter initiatives. As we move forward, let's remember, temper this use of government as a weapon to further our own interests. Let's look for compromise our neighbors as well as enjoy so we can all enjoy the maximum freedom our community can handle right it's not an easy thing giving another person liberty when liberty wins we all do 
vote no on Prop 1 and A on October 3rd. Vote no Prop 1 and A on October 3rd. Vote no Prop 1 and A on October 3rd. Conditional use permit for Frosty Farms, where Jim Oslin showed up, and he made his case and lost because they're allowed to be there in general use. Jim Oslin, my wife and I have lived on Kennedy Road for 43 years. Kennedy Road is a residential neighborhood. And there weren't any businesses on that road until a couple of years ago when the dump site was developed at the end of the road. And now, in the summer, we have big semi-trucks hauling stuff off of Ileson and Wainwright constantly. And so, first of all, our cons one of our concerns is traffic. We're going to have water trucks, pickup and delivery trucks, water or worker transportation, gawkers, and possibly thieves. They're going to be added to the normal family traffic, school buses, walking, running, bike riding, dog walking. This is all going to significantly impact the neighborhood. Um, we're concerned about pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, fertilizers, solid and liquid waste disposal. Went to the EPA web website to see what they say about these things uh, concerning marijuana growing. They don't have any regulations because it's illegal commercially grow marijuana in the United States. We're concerned about the odor that's been mentioned before. Um, we're concerned about security. Now, if this was a potato farm, you're not worried about people coming in and taking potatoes. But this is a high-value product, and it's very attractive to certain people. And we're concerned about that, and what happens if there are security issues. How are we going to deal with that? Um, we're also concerned with land values. Increased traffic, decreased road maintenance because the state has no money, wetland areas with surface water standing, uh, potential use of pesticides and poisons, security concerns, and so forth. They're not going to make the land values go up, that's for sure. And finally, there's one other thing I want to say. I think everybody in this room knows that commercial growing of marijuana in the United States is illegal. And taking some words out of your permitting paperwork isn't going to change that fact. And to me, it looks like you guys are helping somebody circumvent federal law. And I just want to point that out because that's not right. Thank you. Now we're going to go to the drug-free Fairbanks meeting held at the library, Fairbanks, North Starboro. Run by Jim Oslin, Vivian Stiver was the henchman there, keeping everybody quiet. Lance Roberts was sitting in the back. This was a meeting to gather signatures, and as we come to find out, 
they did well. They gathered, they gathered enough signatures. I'm sure some of you people here tonight think that the marijuana industry in Fairbanks is the best thing since a gold rush. And the rest of us are thinking it's the worst thing since the 67 flood. What we're here to talk about tonight is our application for a voter initiative. It's been submitted to the borough, and it creates a new ordinance. And it's really a simple thing in one sentence. And that ordinance says marijuana businesses are prohibited in the borough outside of cities. That's what we want. Anyway, we're using the voter initiative process because that's the only choice we have left. The borough assemblies decided what kind of community we're going to have by pursuing it under the ordinances, and they haven't asked us what we want, so we're going to try to get this back on the ballot so that people can decide what we want. Now, some people say, well, Proposition 2 passed, so it's already decided. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Proposition passed by a vote statewide of 53 to 47. Yeah, that's a victory, but that's not a mandate. And the borough was maybe 56 to 44. That's a victory, but it's not a mandate. So the borough assembly is assuming that we all want this to happen here because the election results turned out the way they did. And what I'm saying is, no, that's not the way it is. The thought that this was the final word is nonsense. This, this election got bought out from underneath us by outside special interests. That's what happened. Fairbanks is shaping up to be the center of Alaska's marijuana industry. Let's listen to Tannenau Herb Company. They were the first to go up in front of the borough, and Lance Roberts gives his famous proclamation resolution how he does not support these businesses. And Joe did a good job. First one to sit there in front of the board. Nice. Growing marijuana for commercial sale continues to be a violation of federal law. The Assembly's oath of office includes swearing to uphold all laws, including laws of the United States. Under the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution, Article 6.2, lawfully adopted federal laws prevail over state and local laws. Accordingly, a marijuana business operating in violation of federal law should not be licensed to operate in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Next, um, in referring to the character and public interest of the surrounding neighborhood, this facility is in an area with a residential character in many residences and would negatively impact the surrounding neighborhood. Next point, dealing with public health or safety, including pedestrian or vehicular traffic safety. 
uh, marijuana cultivation negatively impacts public health. So um, speaking to that, uh, I'm not going to go into so much the legal and the oath. I certainly think that's important. I'll let my second speak to that more. Um, I want to bring up the facts that what the problems you're going to have associated with allowing illegal operations in your town. You know, that was just brought up with the cash. Um, of course, they're requiring lots of security because you have lots of security problems when you're dealing with the cash business and um, with that kind of crop. Uh, there's just a lot of problems that come with having illegal businesses. And at any moment, the fe federal government could decide they want to do something about it, and then you could have a lot of uh, disturbances in this town when they come to do something about it. So um, that's with that. So with this neighborhood, this is a, a residential neighborhood. It's in GU1, so they were able to uh, get that zoning permit for their small facility with some finagling of the building. But uh, it's still next to other residences, and uh, I think it's inappropriate for that neighborhood. And I think that's part of what the assembly has to really watch for because we found that when we were doing zoning that we couldn't find a good way to define residential neighborhoods that weren't zoned residentially. We just So we put in something for a conditional use in certain circumstances, but we couldn't find a good way to define it. So now we have to look at each one as it comes towards us and recognize this is a residential neighborhood. This is not where these kind of facilities belong. So this particular one is in a residential neighborhood. And then uh, I don't have to go on too far about the impact to public health. There's a lot of people on this assembly who are very concerned about PM 2.5, and you're directly inhaling PM 2.5. It's like putting putting your mouth up to um, the stovepipe on a wood stove or even an oil heater and sucking it right in. You know, there's nothing healthy about it. But, of course, it goes way beyond that uh, with the kind of impacts it's going to bring to the community and to that neighborhood specifically, of course. So uh, those are my reasons. Thank you. Uh, I'm saddened with uh, the way our society is going in the uh, acceptance of such a toxic substance. Uh, any of us who've been around it a lot know the damage that it's done, and I think we'll see a lot more of it in our community, and I'm not looking forward to that. Now, more Jim Oslin, and we hear about light pollution. That might be something new coming up, along with odor control. Lance Roberts, Jim Oslin, giving their reports. All right. Um, the applicant is required by state law to have lighting, security lighting. Um, and the planning department, because this did not go to a hearing, uh, they have no idea what the lighting plans are. I'm concerned about, uh, you know, light pollution out there. It's just a little housing neighborhood. There's, there's just homes there. Uh, we enjoy sitting out in the winter watching the northern lights, for example. All right. Um, my property is slightly elevated over the applicant's place. You, you know, I can't see the structure from our house, um, but go ahead. I, you, I, I took a few of your minutes, so okay. keep going. If you look at this, was their map that was? Uh, I, I think you may have it in your packet. This is this is their floor plan, if you will, and it they have floodlights uh, around the perimeter of the field. And so I am uh, neither planning nor I could. These little symbols on here look like they're floodlights. 
you got to have floodlights to make the images on the video cameras work. So, um, but the planning department has no idea of the extent of the illumination that's going to occur. And had this gets back to the process now, had this gone to a hearing, well, that's a question that could have been asked. Maybe a condition could have been put on. So. I find it interesting that Mr. Boyce is talking about uh, having a chance for a conditional use permit hearing. I went through that, and it was useless. The people that came in from Salcha that were objecting to uh, a grow operation out there on Candy Road were completely ignored. So you got probably as much as you're going to get. You wouldn't get any more with a conditional use permit hearing. What I want to know is how did this get this far? I mean, I, there's all kinds of problems with this issue, and here you are. You've already given them a zoning permit for this, and it's bogus. There's issues that need to be worked out here. And I don't think it's fair to these people or the rest of us that this stuff gets railroaded through and it's not, not done properly, and I'm upset about it. And these people are upset. And I think you should review how this process is being conducted and do it right. One more thing, since I don't know, I don't know what you guys are going to talk about after I sit down. But on March 24th, I came before you and I mentioned something about the Assembly Code of Ethics. And the Assembly Code of Ethics 2.10.12b authority says this, a public official shall not exceed his or her authority or breach the law or ask or coerce or ask even or coerce others to do so in the course of his or her official public duties. You read this resolution, there's a lot of stuff in here that you people are, that's, that's breaking the law, and you're doing it. So... Anyway, that's my comment, and if you guys continue to do this, that's fine. That's, that's on you. Actions are doing is in violation of federal law. Every time you do this, you're in violation of federal law. And you took an oath, and you've got a code of ethics that says you're not going to do that. And that's what I'm talking about. I'd like you to think about, um, think about Flint Hills. I think of that because, you know, when you look across the valley, if you're at a good high spot, you can see Flint Hills when it was in operation at least. I don't know what it looks like right now. And it's a really bright spot. Think about having that kind of industrial operation in your neighborhood. You know, that's what we're talking about with light pollution where you get this huge bright spot. You know, this resident here lives on a high place that can see that lot directly. Um, but there may be others in that area that um, have the same problem. And this kind of industrial operation going into these residential neighborhoods um, is going to upset for probably a number of reasons that I've brought up before, but I believe this is certainly one of them. What I'd like you to think about overall is what are we doing to do some type of a land use deal? You know, we did some zoning last August, but we recognized at the time that it was really hard to protect residential neighborhoods that weren't zoned um, with residential zones, um, though I take the point of the testifier for residences in rural ag. But for the residential zones that we used to say there would be no establishments in it, outside of that, we knew that we would have – we made up a little rule for a slight condition where we'd have a conditional use process. 
But most of us, I thought, were thinking of the protest that at that point we could address concerns, just like when Dogs Bar was trying to move under Gina Hot Springs at Three Mile uh, before I got on the assembly, and there was a huge discussion, and, and it was decided, no, it wasn't the right place to have that neighborhood came out in force. And so at some point, we have to draw lines. We have to say, you know, this really isn't appropriate for this neighborhood. Or I guess for those who are really in zoning, what's the real purpose if we're not going to do some kind of protection for the people who wanted to live in that um, residential style? So in, as a general comment on the situation, I would just like people to think about that. You know, is there ever going to be any situation where, where we're going to say, no, that's just not appropriate for that neighborhood. Think about where that line is in your head. The marijuana cultivation facility, if licensed, would operate in violation of federal law and that marijuana cultivation negatively impacts public health. Um, when we're talking about health, um, points I usually like to bring up with people about the health aspect is, you know, of mind-altering drugs, this has been studied more than anything else, and the vast overwhelming consensus um, are the negative health effects that come from it. Uh, right now in the U.S., there are more people uh, in abuse treatment for marijuana than any other drug. And then a number I had that I hope I'm getting right, but I'll certainly be in the right range. But in 2009, the National Institutes of Health said that there were 300 and I believe it was 72,000 people who went to the ER because of marijuana. So I just wanted to bring those facts up. Thank you. You know, I guess based on because we changed, the, you know, if we had had the old buffer definitions, the standard ones um, that we had used before, or that we had at least in the original ordinance, um, then this would have been a zoning violation. But it was really only because we changed those, um, the way we measure the buffer that uh, it changed it because, because we're measuring from lot line to building now. So uh, I just wanted to bring that point up. Uh, I think that I don't know. I think somewhere we have to draw a line, and I. Rise up this morning, smile with the rising sun. Three little birds. Now this next section, this is Vivian Stiver. We've got her appearing at the city council meeting every week. She is answering her to the max. Wow. She even has one meeting where she shows up with her kids sitting there beside her. She has taken it as her personal mission to go against cannabis. We'll see what happens there in the city with her champion. My name is Vivian Stiver. I'm the prime sponsor of the initiative in the city of Fairbanks to put on the ballot this fall the question again to the residents of the city of Fairbanks whether or not we want to allow commercialization of marijuana in our community. That question still leaves every it's, people will be it's decriminalized that doesn't change, and medical marijuana is fine that doesn't change. It's the commercialization that we're concerned about. A couple of things that I think have been missed along the way: medical marijuana is basically more the cat cabinoids in the marijuana. It's not the THC. THC is the one that gets you high. So when people say, well, this is what, you know, peyote Indians use all this time years ago, that's untrue. Because what they've done is they've made hybrids of the plant, they've made the amount of THC in that plant greater, and that's your recreational amount, uh, recreational marijuana. Some THC is used for people who are having cancer treatments to enha enhance appetite, 
and for people who suffer from AIDS. But it's the uh, cannabinoids that is your primary medical source from this plant. So if you're growing pot, you're either growing for recreation or you're growing for medical. One plant does not serve both purposes. So Colorado did this. They tended to be a lot more liberal than Washington. You're not seeing some of the striking statistics out of Washington as you are Colorado because when they implemented their policy with medical marijuana, it was a lot more lenient. Looking at hospitalization, now we have someone who's going to buy our hospital, maybe. So every year since marijuana had been legalized, they have a 30% increase in in hospitalizations related to marijuana. So it's huge. It does have an impact. That's 30% per year starting in 2010. That's a cost to this community. So you're in government. You're leaders. you got to get ready. It's not that everyone's bad and it's not that anybody is irresponsible if they choose to smoke. That's not my issue. The issue is when we broadly accept another intoxicant in our community in front of our children and young adults, it sends the wrong message. And simply, simply on the fact that there will be more available in the community, just there'll be more available because people don't do things that are illegal. So when it's illegal, there'll be more of it. Children are curious. They find their way into it. If you look at the statistics on the increase in poison control in Colorado, it's astounding. It's astounding. So my my question to you is the leadership here. How are we going to lead on this issue? Now, we have the petition. We would like to see it get back on the ballot. Citizens here can either determine yes or no. And again, people in the industry, they're not bad people. Good parents. Things happen to their children. Kids get into things. It's a natural thing that occurs. But when you have more of it in a community, you're going to have more incidences of these things happening. So, and the problem goes, it's just, it's very difficult. I always used to think of Fairbanks as kind of the 1950s town that you always wanted to raise your kids in, man. It was cool. And now I'm a little concerned. Again, it's not that people are bad who smoke. It's not, not that it's not good medicine. The problem is that acceptability of another intoxicant. Take you out of your own consciousness. Become vulnerable to your own bad mistakes when you're high, when you're drunk, and be vulnerable to other people to hurt you. And so another part of this is you'll see in there they have with the the candies, they have infused items with marijuana. They are gummy bears. They are suckers. They are... Someone going to give me another minute? Another minute, Ms. Tiber. They are soft drinks. You've got Joe the Camel with cigarettes. Remember when we banned commercials on TV with tobacco? Advertising works, folks. Children are targeted. Our state law says you cannot manufacture infused products with marijuana that resemble current product, candy, or, or, or candy. And it says resemble. So what you're going to get from the industry is you're going to get an argument about does that really resemble candy. But I just thought I heard Frank Turney said he had a snowball critter, something, a snowball crispy critter that he ate. It's an edible. Snowball crispy critter. Hmm, sounds like something you'd market to. Crispy critter. When was the last time you got off the couch to go buy a crispy critter? It sounds like exactly my exact point. So it's an industry, it's commercialization, it's marketing, and it's scary for our community and for our children. And I wish you would please look at that. I have my petition at the library rest of the week, 11 to 1 o'clock. 
Um, people are welcome to come by 11 to 1 o'clock at the Wing Library to sign it. We only need 519 for the city to get the question on the ballot. So many people have asked me, will my friends see my name? They are afraid they will offend their friends. And that is sad because this is a process that when you voted yes on two, you voted for my right to bring a citizen initiative forward. Not my right, all of our right to do this. It's past his bedtime, so we have to be quick. <laughs> Vivian Stiver. Did you get five minutes too? Oh, he, he would if you give it to him. Uh, Vivian Stiver. And I was here at the last meeting talking about commercialized marijuana, which was voted by the state. However, I want to emphasize once again that that ballot measure said very clearly that by ordinance or citizen's initiative, a municipality could indeed ban it in their community. In fact, in Colorado, in 2015, 67% of their municipalities banned the marijuana. I gave a handout, uh, Council Member Gatewood, I don't know if you've got it, to read what came out of the group Smart Approaches to Marijuana. They've studied it. These are scientists that look at these things. They've put and compiled um, statistics for us. They've been very fair. They really isolated what they looked at, and it's uh, probably one of the best groups. They're not saying no. They're saying smart approaches. How are we going to move forward with this? And again, Washington and Colorado were drastically different because of the way they implemented their medical marijuana. So these are very huge differences that have impacted these two states. So one of the things they thought, oh, you legalize it, you get rid of the black market. That is not true. In fact, drugs and narcotic crime rose um, 12.5% in 2015 in Colorado. The black market is thriving, easier to get product. They have many incidences of product going across state lines through the mail. It's a tremendous, it's all in your handout, what the exact percentages are. The other item which I, I think hits home for me when I was on the council, we always talked about the second sale of alcohol. We've always talked about the inebriates and you know what should we do, what can we do. And we know for a fact that when someone is intoxicated, too intoxicated to purchase alcohol, they send someone else in, they wait around the corner, and that person brings it out. Well, when you have marijuana that is so readily available in a community, that is what you have for your teenagers. And if you looked on here, the school counselors showed how many bought the legal marijuana from a friend. They were not 21. So we have not been able to resolve that issue with alcohol, but yet we're willing to present this issue to our teenagers, our young adults. So my question for council is, are we financially ready? Do you have enough money and police force to keep these laws in place? The commander of the base said no one could go to the marijuana event they had. So here we are, the Golden Heart City, known for embracing the military, known for being one of the most fine places to raise your kids. This is a beautiful country. It's got lots of places to go out, fish, hike, everything. Yet we have a commander on base giving directive to his troops to not go to this event. How friendly are we when we have uh, marijuana businesses here, there, and all around? This is not going to be one or two shops. Have they, they've gone into Denver, Colorado now. You combine Starbucks and McDonald's 
there are more marijuana shops than both of those huge corporations combined. So what I want to leave you with is what commercial, the definition of commercialization is exploiting for profit, to exploit for profit, such as Christmas, birthdays, greeting cards. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up this whole can of worms. We think we've got it regulated. We think we've got it. We don't. We need to watch closer what's going on in Denver and the places that it has been legalized. Because when they legalized it in Denver, all of a sudden, all the marijuana pot, because you know, marijuana producing, or plants that are made to produce the medical marijuana are different than the ones that are hybrid for THC. When it, the commercialized recreational marijuana, high THC contact, was made legal in Colorado, you could not sell and all the medical marijuana rotted. So what you're seeing here is a way to angle in with this recreational drug that has not been tried and tested in our communities or in anybody else's communities at this time. And I would caution you for financial responsibilities, but overall, where's your responsibility to the community, to the young families, young adults that are coming up when you give a blanket approval to another intoxicant in a community in a state that suffers so greatly now? Vivian Stiver. I brought you a couple more um, articles and some information regarding uh, recreational use of marijuana that I think are something we need to consider. As I was not familiar with the designations of uh, setbacks, but if you've got kids at a youth center or at a playground, maybe they may not be as supervised as children in a schoolyard, so that 100-foot setback seems rather weak. That seems like that should be considerably more at leisure, because I would let my 12 or 13-year-old go down to the playground, not 100 feet away from a marijuana retail store for sure, but, I mean, I would look at that. My understanding is the city can be a little more restrictive. You can't be less restrictive than other laws, so that may be something to consider. So if you look at page four, there's a lot of information here. It says, that's at the very bottom. It says, according to a recently published article in the Lance Psychological Journal, people who smoked high-grade marijuana, about 16% THC, similar to the average U.S. varieties of the marijuana plant that is now a GMO. That marijuana plant is not in its natural state because in its natural state, it had 0.2 to 0.5% THC. So it has been enhanced to have this greater amount of THC at 17, 16%, 17%. Um, so it says, similar to U.S. varieties of marijuana, people who use it were five times more likely than non-users to have psychotic disorders. And there are several other studies that have linked other um, psychological disorders to the heavy use of marijuana products. Last week you saw what the concent or the week before the concentrates, they have 80 to 90 percent THC. Um, and that's very interesting. You should YouTube butane hash and see the explosions that do occur when people try to derive that THC out. They inject a tube of marijuana wrapped in plastic with butane. It drips out the bottom. Then they heat it up with Everclear. It's highly explosive, and that's where the explosions are coming from. That's where you get your dab, your crack, your earwig. That's that concentrate product. What the industry did, they sold us on this idea that today's marijuana was equal to that of alcohol. That was a big, big 
untruth about what's happening today with marijuana. It is a drug. There is no way around it. It's not a glass of wine. It's not a shot of Jack Daniels. It's way more powerful than that. So everything is cited in here. Also, what's interesting, it cites Fairbanks as having found some of this high concentrated candy. Last summer, a person found a bag containing marijuana candy in downtown Fairbanks. The package, an ordinary Ziploc bag, was labeled to contain 250 milligrams of THC in 25 red pieces of candy. I can tell you, I've been at the fair. I just have the candy printed out to show people what they actually legalized when they thought they were just decriminalizing marijuana. Little girl walked up and said, oh, gummy bears. I said, yeah, but those are not for you. Oh, but I like gummy bears. The picture alone was enough for her to have a high interest in that, oh, a candy. No way to tell the difference. Okay, the next page, or the second part of that, I printed out the page on ballot two that passed, the pass in the state. And if you look under local control, section 17.38.110, local government may prohibit the operation of marijuana cultivation facilities, marijuana product manufacturing facilities, marijuana testing facilities, or retail stores through an enactment of an ordinance or voter initiative. People are confused. Why are we doing this? We voted on it once. Well, they voted yes, but they didn't read what they voted for. They voted for my right, your right, everyone's right in this community to take that second look. Now, the marijuana industry, when you come to the lobby groups, the PACs, are not uh, known for being fairly reasonable. They're a billion-dollar industry, they claimed, in Colorado. Yet, as you saw, they were not willing to put childproof, these products in childproof containers. They were willing to do a Ziploc bag. You need to ask these people when they come before you, what childproofing are they going to have for these products? Vivian Stiver, um, I spent the week of the fair at the fair at our booth collecting signatures for the petition to place on the ballot in 2017 regarding um, banning marijuana in the city limits of Fairbanks. We do have our signatures. We just have people who have to get their books notarized and we thought we'd get them all in today, but we haven't, so we're looking at Thursday to have everyone who has a petition out there um, to place banning marijuana businesses on the ballot for the city of Fairbanks. I need those by Thursday, and remember to get them notarized. So we do have our numbers. So while, while I was at the fair, a couple of things we heard were, we already voted. Yes, and I had to show numerous people this is the law that you voted for, and right here in that law, it states clearly that by citizen's initiative or by ordinance, a municipality may ban marijuana. So a lot of people learned that we were just exercising our right under that law, which they had indeed voted for. The other thing I heard was <clears throat> even people who had a family that were going to operate businesses, when they saw the edibles, I don't want that. That's not what I want. So I heard that a lot. People have no idea what happened when they legalized recreational marijuana. The other thing I heard was um, that it's just a plant. I mean, they couldn't understand why government spent so much time on just a plant. Well, from the information I've provided to you before, this plant in nature has 0.2 to 0.5 THC in it. Today, marijuana is a GMO. It's a genetically modified plant. It has 17% from 0.2%, 0.5% to 17% THC value. 
purely recreational. The other thing I heard was about the medical value. People were concerned about, you know, having it for medical purposes. Well, the marijuana industry wasn't stupid. So what they did is they paired an opportunity, medical marijuana, with recreational marijuana, which has no medicinal value at all. It's an intoxicant. It's just something else to take you out of your sober mind, period. So they paired those together. The other thing with medical marijuana, today, a pharmacy can apply for a license and dispense medical marijuana right now. They didn't need this law. They could have done it. So, because mer- medical marijuana had been legal in the state for a long time. But as you saw, the DEA came out that they're not going to remove marijuana off Schedule 1 with cocaine and heroin because of there's so many unknown factors about it. There haven't been enough safety studies on it. There needs to be more done. And then I heard it's just like alcohol. Well, okay, so let's say it's just like alcohol, which I do not believe. I think that's a myth, too. I think that was just another way to ride that in on everyone's back. So if it's just like alcohol, do we need more people on the road that are intoxicated through marijuana, killing people, having accidents? Do we need more of our children neglected because their parents are high on pot because it's a natural thing, a naturally... Organic GMO is what that is. The other thing I heard was um, the drug on on war did not work. Well, guess what? Legalization has done nothing but increase the black market. Because after you get done taxing, well, I'm sorry I keep saying marijuana. I want to say cannabis because the industry likes the word cannabis much more than the word marijuana. So cannabis, so you've got the, it's, it's going to be sold higher because you've got tax on it. So the black market sells it for a little less, and they are flourishing. And they're shipping their marijuana all across the U.S. from Colorado. If you look in the paper, you'll see that they've had major seizures. And that's called diversion. So if you have legal marijuana here and you divert it somewhere else to where it's not legal, that's the black market. Thank you. And then the other one was I am pro-business. I'm for this. I am pro-business. Well, there are sections now in Denver where no one will dare to go because with these shops, with the activity, it has brought in very negative impacts to areas. I don't know if I share this with you because I've been talking marijuana, cannabis for a while now. Someone was really interested in cooking with it here locally. But all of a sudden, someone said to them, you know the military is going to make your place off limits because it's still illegal on the federal level. And so, therefore, having it as a product is only going to lose your business. And we've talked about economic impacts already. Military is huge for us here. So in wrapping this up, I gave you the bio for uh, Joe McGuire. She's going to be up here in October. I would like one of you to please coordinate a work session for the city, of, for the city council, borough assembly, school district, and possibly North Pole, if they're still interested, and have her come speak. And I will take care of that fee or... Vivian Stiver, we did turn in 140 names today for the petition to get the question on the ballot 2017 whether or not to ban marijuana. We only needed 30, so hopefully we'll get 30 good ones out of that. There still seems to be a lot of confusion, a lot of excitement about wanting to sign but not really hearing city versus borough versus, you know, North Pole. So um, I don't have a lot for you today on that other than... uh, 
we did get our petition in. There is one interesting fact that comes out of Colorado and something we should be concerned about because of the cost of our electricity. Now that they have so many people growing the marijuana down there, they use uh, greenhouses, so they're using light and electricity. A lot of communities have seen a huge spike in the cost of their electricity. So it's going to be really interesting. I thought about calling Corey over Golden Valley and ask him if he was prepared for this um, possible event, which could happen. And um, it's very interesting, all the things that are falling out. And when I was at the... Um, at the fair, it was interesting to talk to a couple from Seattle, and they're going to write letters so that I can bring them here and read them. Uh, they voted for legalization, and the poor man, I thought his head was going to explode when I asked him how it was going. He was very angry. He said we were lied to. We were sold a bill of goods. He says a $100 ticket for smoking in public. He says you can't afford to have a cop arrest someone or ticket someone for 100 bucks. So the civil disobedience and smoking in the street is pervasive all over and he was very distressed because you can't afford as we know what does it cost now to have someone spend the night at the jail it costs the city 150 bucks now something like that you're really going to pick people up smoking pot on the street for 100 bucks so there's a lot of things that are come out of this and the other thing that kind of bothers me it makes me question is um, people just don't think they have problems with the cannabis use are you testing Will the city have a policy to test those persons now being tested for drugs? Are you going to test a little more frequently? What is your rate going to be? What is going to be acceptable? How many nanograms um, are you going to accept on the job to be okay? So these are a lot of things. You, you guys really need to do some research to understand what's going on. Colorado had two nanograms for intoxication. If you were driving, they dropped that to one nanogram because people were having such problems so um, there's a lot to think about. I mean, you're going to find expenses. When the borough can't enforce in parks, are we going to be called? You know, is that going to drive your cost or your police department up? And so there is so much to this issue, but I wanted for sure to let you know that we did get our signatures. And I think you should also be aware of the targeting that's going on for our fellow Alaskans and villages. They're being targeted. It's estimated they're a $50 million a year business. And there's been a businessman approached in town to have a marijuana company come in and take over their area to produce the marijuana to ship it to villages. It's just sad to me to see that we have a new industry that is looking to take advantage of folks already who suffer with addiction. Even though they say marijuana, some people like to say it's not addictive, that's not true any longer. It's changed in its chemistry. If, if it's not addictive, it's certainly habit-forming. And so, therefore, when you see a big industry coming in to target people like this who already suffer with a lot of social ills from addiction, I think it's really sad. And I think you need to be a little concerned about these licensing, that you're licensing. We knocked all the bars down on 2nd Avenue because we had too many bars. How many marijuana businesses are you going to license? I think you should think about that.
Metro Assembly members think the marijuana industry is the best thing to happen here since the gold rush. Drug Free Fairbanks doesn't believe this nonsense, and neither should you. Adding more drug availability and use won't make this a better place to live. Wednesday is your last chance to sign the petition to give control of the marijuana industry back to the voters. You can sign this petition Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Nolween Library. Paid for by Drug Free Fairbanks, P.O. Box 14005, Soldier, Alaska, 99714. October 12th, 2016. Amanda Bowman. Borough voters to decide commercial pot's fate in 2017. A referendum on commercial marijuana was approved for the 2017 ballot in a non-area-wide Fairbanks North Star Borough, the clerk's office confirmed on Wednesday. Voters in the borough outside of city limits will decide the fate of marijuana businesses next year following a five-month signature drive led by Salter residents Jim Oslin. We think voters and not the borough assembly are far better equipped to evaluate marijuana businesses in an impartial and objective manner and decide if they belong in our community, Austin said in an email. His signature drive inspired signature, separate signatures drives that led to ballot questions for the cities of Fairbanks and North Pole. North Pole voters approved a commercial cannabis ban last week. Fairbanks voters will face the question in 2017. Oslin had hoped to get the question on this year's borough ballot, but did not make the deadline. He needed to gather a minimum of 1994 signatures to put the question before the voters in 2017. Our group was highly motivated but lacking in experience, said Oslin, referring to the group Drug Free Fairbanks. We made mistakes but learned from them and just kept going. The vote legalizing recreational marijuana in Alaska two years ago was more popular in Fairbanks than the outskirts of the borough, especially the Goldstream Valley, than it was in North Pole, where less than half of the voters agreed to legalize pot. A leader in the fledgling cannabis industry, Brandon Emmett, has said that the industry will galvanize to fight the ban on marijuana businesses in Fairbanks and the borough. Some of the same people who came out against legalizing pot in 2014 are looking to prohibit the industry from operating here. Oslo began his campaign after the Planning Commission approved a marijuana grow in his neighborhood. The Fairbanks North Star Borough has some of the most lenient zoning rules for cannabis businesses in the state. In Anchorage and Juneau, a public hearing is required before any marijuana business can get a land use permit. In Fairbanks Borough, leaders are aiming to treat marijuana industry like the alcohol industry, and marijuana businesses are allowed outright in some zones. As of October 12th, about 50 land use permits for the marijuana business have been issued by the borough, according to a list provided by the Department of Community Planning, though far fewer have completed the process of getting a state license. Most of the businesses are for cultivation. Two stores are close to operating in Fairbanks. There are Frozen Buds on South Pega Road and Pakalola Supply Company in the Railroad Industrial Yard off the Phillips Field Road. Here is one attempt at sitting down at the table and just talking things out. Posted on Safe Neighborhoods Yes on 1NA page. On behalf of the Fairbanks chapter of the Alaska Marijuana Industry Association, we would like to invite the organizers of this page and its cause to be to a respectful sit-down conversation about our respective concerns regarding cannabis in Fairbanks. It is clear that there are vastly different opinions and perspectives, and we haven't been able to actually speak with one another. If you are open to this conversation, we welcome it. Please message me either in response to this post or privately. My name is Karen Bloom, and I am co-owner of Alaskan Blooms and the president of the Fairbanks chapter of EMEA. I truly hope that we can sit down and respectfully discuss our concerns the feeling that there is a lot at stake is quite mutual, and that's a great place to start. Thank you for your anticipated cooperation, Karen Bloom. It is a great place to start. Um, Safe Neighborhoods has no interest right now in sitting down with 
uh, the Alaska Marijuana Industry Association. This might have been able to happen last year. Um, and hopefully it happens after the vote and Safe Neighborhoods loses their public initiative. Please, cannabis industry, look at your neighbors. Try to try to work things out before it gets to this. One problem could lead to a problem for all. Work your own battles before it becomes a war. August 17th, 2017. Jim Oslin, letter to the editor. Vote yes on pot measures. People who object to marijuana businesses being put in residential neighborhoods aren't motivated by ignorance, misinformation, fear, or outright prejudice. We're concerned about the quality of life in the areas where our families and children are living. Anyone who's concerned about neighborhoods can and should find out what's happening in the neighborhoods of Colorado, because that's coming here next. Another thing, we're not all suffering from reefer madness hysteria. That ended years ago, but the accusations keep coming. Science, medicine, and the size of our social welfare programs tell us what we need to know about what's going on today. Hysteria about pot has nothing to do with it because there is none. I was wondering what the discussion of the issues would be like in the coming campaign for Proposition A and Proposition 1. Instead, it looks like we're in for little more than a name-calling contest. That's okay. Labels don't matter much, but having family-friendly residential neighborhoods does. I'm still going to vote yes. This was in direct rebuttal to Carl Addington's community perspective, letter to the editor. Got him under his skin a little bit, Carl. From Lance Roberts, community perspective. Where is the local protection from pot businesses? In 2014, the statewide voters narrowly passed the ballot proposition that they thought would legalize marijuana. That proposition did almost nothing for legalization since we already have Raven, the 1975 Alaska Supreme Court decision allowing personal use and possession of marijuana. What it did do was bring in big money commercial marijuana. By doing this, as we've seen in Colorado, this only increased usage and didn't even make enough money for the state to pay for the cost of regulation and increased hospital costs. There were a lot of people in Alaska who voted for that proposition because they thought it would get rid of penalties for marijuana use, which were exaggerated by the proponents, but they thought the government would regulate that illicit industry appropriately and protect the neighborhoods. This didn't happen. So far, the city councils, planning commission, and borough assembly have approved every single establishment, even when it's in a residential neighborhood, even when the residents plead for it not to be there, even when the establishment breaks state law. We have incredibly weak zoning regulations that have already been modified once to allow more marijuana businesses near sensitive uses, schools, churches, youth centers. The State Marijuana Control Board, due to Governor Bill Walker's appointments, is industry controlled to the point where they have not only approved sites that violate the regulations they put in place, but also are soon to approve regulations no other state has allowing an on-site consumption. With on-site consumption, the users can drive to a pot shop, get stoned, and then somehow get home. How exactly do you have to designate a driver in a smoking facility? Currently, two more of these establishments are being put in residential neighborhoods out off Badger Road. They go in front of the Planning Commission on Tuesday. There's one that was approved last year in a residential neighborhood off of Chena Hot Springs Row that the residents had testified against. Now, one year later, they're bringing up the fact that the whole neighborhood smells like pot, something that's been brought up time and again in Colorado. How do you think this will affect property values in these neighborhoods? In Colorado, where housing prices have been increasing 
due to population growth. It's been found that neighborhoods with grow houses have prices 8% lower than the average. Do you want to live in a neighborhood that always smells like pot? I've had two real estate agents talk to me this week about migration from these types of neighborhoods and the hit on property values. Another issue is security. In Denver, the first year there was a 50% burglary rate. In Las Vegas, marijuana became legal on July 1st, and in the first month, there have already been nearly a dozen break-ins. Why would you want that type of thing happening in your neighborhood? The 2014 proposition allowed every local community to decide for themselves if they wanted to allow these businesses. This is exactly like every other statewide marijuana law in the U.S. In fact, 70% of Colorado local governments have prohibited these establishments. In Fairbanks, we have two initiatives on the ballot. Proposition 1 in the borough, outside of the cities, and Proposition A in the city of Fairbanks. The city of North Pole passed one last year. These do not stop use, growth, possession, or transport. They do not roll back legalization. While the big industry opposition is putting out a deceptive message that it will take us back to the making pot illegal, this just isn't true. The only thing this initiative will do is prohibit the businesses. These initiatives are your one chance to protect your neighborhoods, your property values, and your families from the hours. They can be open very late into the night. Noise, lighting, smell, security, normalization, and drug driving that follow these establishments. Please get out and vote yes on Proposition 1 and Proposition A on Tuesday, October 3rd. It's probably the most important election for your neighborhood that has happened locally. Lance Roberts is an engineer born and raised in Fairbanks. He is a member of the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly. The views expressed here are his own and do not represent the Assembly or Borough Administration. Lance, Lance, Lance. Enslinger would be proud of your demagoguery. Mm. And we have Marcy Luther step up to the plate and rebut this nonsense. Enough with the marijuana fear mongering. Fairbanks. A copy of Fairbanks North Star Borough Assemblyman Lance Roberts' newsletter was shared with me. I had the experience of seeing firsthand the propaganda he is sharing with his followers. I wanted to share my thoughts as someone who is employed at a legal cannabis cultivation facility and who also supports personal gardens and homeopathic wellness. My hope is the people of Fairbanks will take time to explore the other side of this issue since the picture Lance is painting is distorted. Calling people liars while he is lying is pretty lame. This is what will actually happen if Propositions 1 and A are passed. More than 100 people in Fairbanks will lose their jobs. Dozens of families will lose their businesses along with their investments. Years of work educating, advocating, and campaigning will be undone. Hopes of a medicinal cannabis market with laboratory-tested and analyzed products. Options and choices gone. Tax revenue cast aside while our state is in drastic need of financial support, so much so that the common people of Alaska are carrying that burden by having their PFDs seized. Besides making Fairbanks less appealing, tourists will go outside of Fairbanks to find legal cannabis. Lance Roberts is punishing every business owner indirectly in this point alone, instead of getting the work done for public consumption regulations and helping this new industry flourish, thus attracting more tourists. Fairbanks is already the industry leader in Alaska and brought home numerous awards from the state competition. 
And he does this for what? So he and his followers can feel good about what is not happening? Hopefully, he understands two things. One, that a regulated and legal product is much more in the public's best interest than forcing cannabis users backwards into the black market and danger. More risk occurs in the black market because there is no police protection. Second, this idea will not stop anyone from smoking weed. Lance Roberts may not like cannabis, but other people do, and that's okay. And no, the legality of cannabis is not what we will be voting on, but allowing propositions, propositions such as these to be passed is definitely a step towards prohibition and not decriminalization. It's people trying to control what another group is doing on their own property when there are literally no victims. So our campaign will always be to keep cannabis legal because there will always be people like Lance Roberts who try to discriminate against us, keep us small, and have their own interests served at our expense. To the real estate brokers who complain about property values, I would mention to them that there have only been two crimes reported in connection with legal cannabis in nearly four years per data management at the Fairbanks Police Department. And Fairbanksans have been growing weed since the Bohemian Movement and even before Alaska was a state. Furthermore, I would venture to say that other types of properties, specifically in industrial and retail areas, have seen an increase in their value because of the legal cannabis market. If Lance Roberts is going to encourage people to be afraid, from now on it would be nice if he did so with data and reports relevant to our city and our unique demographic of retired people tourists, Alaska Natives, sourdough, pipeline babies, college students, veterans, and families. Did you know that the largest growing demographic among cannabis users is seniors, and that underage use has dropped significantly in areas where cannabis has been commercialized? Why, we all ask, is Lance Roberts doing this? I have checked out the public post on Lance's Facebook page, and I am quite disturbed to see a local leader such as him dangerously encouraging alcohol use as a means of coping with stress and depression. Addiction is rampant in our community. How insensitive that he boasts about being able to drink moderately. Fairbanks is not a moderate place to be, and an addictive substance being suggested with moderate use is idiotic. People can make their own choice. No one needs him to do that. So when Lance Roberts says, it only stops the businesses from being put everywhere, it's offensive and it's untrue. It's stopping a lot more than that. We will continue our work as individuals and business owners, bringing joy and hope and new possibilities to this community. What is Lance Roberts bringing except fear? Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Toker. You can listen to more episodes on SoundCloud and farnorthtokers.com. Like me on Facebook. Search Mid Token. Here's Token. See ya!